Welcome to the Supreme Influence Show, the space to embody your infinite potential and fulfill your highest destiny. Hi, I'm Nurka, and I'm inspired to bring you this amazing episode. Today, we have a very special guest. John Asaroff is one of the leading mindset and behavioral experts in the world. He's appeared numerous times on Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper, and The Ellen DeGeneres Show revealing how to unlock your brain's hidden power, which is our topic today, based on the wisdom of his latest book, Inner Size, which offers us a proven science that guides individuals from all walks of life to recognize and release the mental and emotional blocks that prevent them from achieving their highest potential. If you've been feeling stuck or blocked, or if you know there's another level of success and fulfillment for yourself, your family, and your business, you're gonna love this episode because it not only gives you profound insight, it also gives you techniques that you could apply right away to become even more clear, centered, and empowered so that you take intelligent action for the greatest results. John teaches from real world experience. He's a serial entrepreneur who's built five multi-million dollar companies, including taking one public on the NASDAQ and growing Remax of Indiana to 4.5 billion a year. Today, he's the founder and CEO of Neurogym, a company dedicated to using the most advanced technologies and evidence-based brain training methods to empower individuals to strengthen their mindset and emotional skills so they achieve their goals faster and easier than ever before. John's written two New York Times best-selling books that have been translated into 35 languages. He's been featured in 10 movies, including blockbuster hits with Richard Branson and the Dalai Lama. And he's a dear friend. I'm blessed to have known John for over 15 years. He's been gracious to come and speak at my live events where he's delivered riveting presentations and shared his wisdom with our community. And I'm so inspired to bring you John's insights and his strategies on today's episode. So let's get started. Hi, John. Welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. So great to be with you. It is delightful to see you. I am so enthused about everything that you're bringing into the world. And I'm really excited to like dive in on this most essential conversation on how we're going to unlock our brain and really tune into these hidden powers and uh, share with me a little bit about, I, I love that you've coined the word inner size because so many times you see people that are so focused on the body and exercise and, and to really tune into the inner workings of what creates our experience of reality and the results that we produce. Share with me a little bit about inner size and some examples of how everyone listening can practice these powerful techniques to really take their results to a whole new level. Sure. The, um, the whole idea came to me, you know, in watching some of the old, uh, I guess, marketing uh, by Jack LaLanne when he was bringing exercise to the forefront, you know, in the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, at first everybody was giving him a hard time and doctors were even saying that if you exercise, you're going to shorten your lifespan and you're going to deteriorate your bones and you might get muscles initially, but then they're going to turn to fat. There's all, there's all these 
misconceptions about you know uh, exercise but he popularized it and he showed people that you can strengthen your your internal organs your oxygen capacity your muscles your ligaments strengthen everything and so uh, for most of my, I guess, adult life, for 40 years now, I have been doing brain training, I call them exercises, um, to strengthen my core neuromuscles, which is what I like to call them. And so when we think I about- I love that, the yes. neuromuscles. <clears throat> yeah, so we have physical muscles. Well, why not neuromuscles? We know we have you know, different networks in our brain. We have different circuits in our brain. We have uh, something that we call as self-image. We have something called self-esteem. We have uh, language patterns. Some are constructive, some are destructive, some empower us, some don't. How is that any different than you know, our physical world? And so in the research that we've done, we know that we can strengthen neuromuscles. We know that we can deactivate disempowering ones. And so I wanted to really dive deep into giving people a framework so they can strengthen their mindset, they can strengthen their emotional skills and abilities so that they have a stronger brain that works for them instead of one that works against them. And I always have my, you know, my, my plastic brain on my desk. I love it. Right. And um, we know it's the most powerful you know, organism, not organ, but organism in the whole universe. But there's no user's manual. We weren't taught anything about it in kindergarten, grade school, high school. Um, we weren't taught much about how to use the most powerful tool in the known universe. And we own one. <laughs> we own one. No users now. So we go fumbling around, you know, trying to, trying to pilot, you know, ourselves through life. And we stumble and fall most of our life. And so... I wrote my, uh, my newest best-selling book, Inner Size, as a way to give people some foundational understanding of here's what this beautiful organism is. You own it. Just learn how to use it a little bit better with these inner size techniques. And that's the whole idea behind it. I love it. So we're like pruning these old synapses, right? And creating new neural pathways and um, so we're actually, we, we prune in the early years of life, uh, but we deactivate in the older, you know, years of our life. So if you have a habit of smoking, for example, you know, so I don't know why that habit came, but if you, know, if you have a habit of smoking, you know, you basically can deactivate that network that exists, but it never just goes away. Uh, it's there, but if you create a new habit that's more powerful than the old one, the new habit gets all the attention that um, you bring to it. So we don't necessarily prune uh, as in the sense that that happens, you know, at birth when we have, you know, a hundred you know, plus billion cells and 15, 20% of those are pruned, you know, in the first couple of years of life. But as adults, we can create based on the latest in neuroplasticity, we can actually create a new pattern, a new formulation of connections. Then if we reinforce that based on the hierarchy of how the brain pays attention or how the brain uh, uses energy, it then gives you the network that is more empowering if you know how to activate it and activate this neuroplasticity switch. 
I love it. So you're going to be giving us some insights into the switch. I just wanted to understand the mechanics. You know, I really love, you know, chemistry and biology. And uh, I want to understand like, what's like, what's really going on there and uh, how do we do it faster and easier than ever before? And I know you've been doing a lot of work with other experts like Daniel, uh, Dr. Amen, and really looking at different brain scans to really see what's going on. It's like lifting the hood. Yeah, for the last you know, 10 years with a lot of the world-renowned experts, Dr. Michael Merzenich, uh, Dr. Srini Pillay, Dr. Joan Rosenberg, a lot of the people that are doing the research on the research. I'm fascinated, especially in today's day and age, there's so much stuff out there and even the stuff that some of the medical community puts out um, are not researched well enough to say this is evidence-based. You know, it may be opinion-based, but it's not evidence-based. So you really have to um, go a little bit deeper than the surface to, uh, to find the real stuff that's actually got the double-blind studies and can show the efficacy of what is working versus what isn't. I love it. And you've been practicing this for a long time. I know you, I'm sure you've brought this into all of your entrepreneurial ventures and your successes over the last several decades. Uh, I have. It's actually, um, I was taught a different way of thinking and being and changing when I was 19 because I was getting into so much trouble with the law and doing a lot of illegal things and things I'm not proud of. Uh, That was 40 years or maybe, you know, 45 years ago. Um, and so I changed and I was fascinated with how, like, I know what I did, right? And I know the results, but what I didn't know is what actually happened on the inside. And so I've spent the last 40 years applying and researching, but also uh, coming up with simple, easy ways to explain stuff. So people go, oh, I understand. I get that. And, that's and they can I apply it. Well, the whole idea is I, I want to know, I'm not the type of person that if somebody says to me, well, do this, I just don't do it. I go, why? I'm like, that way like, too. Tell me why. Like, like, like why? Show me, show me, you know, why this is a good way. Where's the evidence for it? Show me some proof, some kind, uh, mm-hmm. then I'll do it. Great. But I don't, uh, I, I really stopped listening to opinions a long time ago. I really started focusing on people who are as dedicated to excellence as I am. And I know the amount of time and energy and focus it takes to get uh, to a level of expertise versus, oh, try this. I don't want to try that. I want to do what works. I don't want to try that. I want to just do what works. In the quickest, most direct route. So this is this is like super exciting. So right? efficiency, if completely efficiency, and then create space for greater joy, greater, you know, a, a, allowing us to focus on all the things that are most important to us in life. And I'm really excited because every single person listening, if there's something that you want to change, like if you want to change your relationship with money, if you want to change your health and vitality, if you want to change your relationship with somebody that you love, or if there's something in your life, like John's talking about, or 45 years ago there, you know, he was looking at things in his life going, Hey, this isn't working. This is specific proven evidence-based uh, yeah. wisdom, knowledge, and techniques that you can begin to apply in your own life to create profound breakthroughs and, and lasting change. And that's so exciting. So we're talking about the brain. Yeah, just a couple of different parts of the brain you could take apart. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty fascinating study, right? It's, a, it's just in the last 20 years that we've had the technology 
to actually get a glimpse of what's actually happening in our brain in real time. So, you know, up until then, we're basically trying to figure it out, looking at cadavers and dissecting cadavers. But now we can say, okay, um, when you're in a state of fear, okay, you're afraid of uh, failing or being embarrassed or ashamed of being ridiculed or judged, like, what's happening in your brain? What's happening to the motivational center of the brain? Uh, and we're seeing where, a lot of that now. Yeah, where is, oh my goodness, yeah, where, where is the motivational center of your brain? Um, uh, what circuits are turning on? What circuits are turning off? Where's the blood flow going? What's it doing to the motor cortex, the, the part of your brain that's going to actually help you take action or run away? You know, what's happening to you know, what I call is, and, and I showed you this earlier, is the, you know, the Frankenstein part of the yeah. brain, right? Versus the Einstein part of the brain. Like, where is that? If your brain is an organism with a variety of different, what I call orchestra members, right? We have the fire chief, we have the engineer, we've got the motivator, <laughs> we've got the, you know, we've got the- a whole village inside of you. We have a whole village. And that's what people don't understand is they, they think that they're, alone if they have negative thoughts. No, we all have negative thoughts. Or if they're too optimistic or pessimistic, you know, or- uh, Wouldn't you say the challenge with the negative thoughts is that people become too attached and too identified to them? Yeah, first and foremost, most people understand that um, you weren't born with any thoughts. You weren't born any beliefs, any habits, any perspectives, any paradigms, uh, zero, zero, zero. Uh, all you were born was with, you know, some genetic code to keep you alive, to digest your food, to synthesize, you know, the hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon that you're inhaling every day and put it into the location that you need. So there are some basic fundamental uh, programs that you were born with that have been evolving for billions of years and then two and a half million years of us being, you know, in one form or another from Homo erectus to Homo sapien now, um, we developed all of the other stuff. And so when somebody says, you know, I have a lot of negative thoughts, I say, well, um, why? Where, where did they come from? Like, do you know what they are? What if I shared with you that your negative thoughts are nothing more than patterns in your brain that percolate up like effervescent bubbles, you know, in your soda glass? Uh, and some are positive, but most are negative because of the hierarchy of how your brain works. What if I said to you that you don't have to believe those thoughts? What if I said to you, you don't have to, you know, believe these emotions and you can, through some inner size practices, become aware of thoughts and train your brain to let go of the ones that don't serve you and to reinforce the ones that do so that there's an opposite balance where you're mostly positive and sometimes you have these negative thoughts what if and is I the share? portal the is the portal the breath for that um well um the the portal for that is mindfulness and awareness one yes. of the ways to get into an aware state is to first and foremost deactivate the sympathetic nervous system um uh, which is what also activates you know, our Frankenstein brain. And to do that, yes, you can use breath. So for example, in the work that I teach, the first inner size I teach everybody is called Take Six, Calm the Circuits. So I gave everything a name. So it's Take Six, Calm the Circuits. And so what does that mean? It means 
if you have a lot of negative thoughts, if you have a lot of disempowering emotions, if you're frustrated, angry, upset, doubtful, stressed, anxious, panicky, stop. Stop for just a moment and just take six deep breaths as slowly as you can in through your nose. And then even slower coming out through your mouth as if you're blowing out through a straw. And if you close your eyes and you just focus on the airflow at the tip of your nose and the exhale of air at the tip of your mouth as you're puckering like a straw, six of those I can show you if I put your brain and you under an fMRI, functional magnetic resonance imaging machine, and I took an image of your brain while you were doing that, we would see the blood flow move away, okay, from the stress and fear centers of your brain. We would see the blood flow going back to your imagination, your creativity, your intelligent part of your brain. We would see the sympathetic nervous system deactivate and your calm and respond nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, would actually reactivate. So in that state, instead of reacting abruptly and repeating this stress cycle and reinforcing it, you can actually be aware of it, deactivate it, and activate the calm and respond part of your brain, which now allows you to move to what I call inner size number two. And that's called AYA, A-I-A. And AYA stands for awareness of thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors. And when you do this in a state where you're, there's no judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. Uh, imagine living that way, everybody. Right? Full no, on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. Just awareness, awareness. Let me just be aware. And the premise is this, and it's the truth. Awareness is what gives us choice. And choice is what can give us the freedoms that we want. And so if we are in a state of awareness of those things, and then we say, okay, now that I'm at choice, the I stands for intention. What is a simple intention I have right now? My simple intention is to be positive. My simple intention is to be calm. My simple intention is to feel good. Uh, okay, then what's one simple action step I can do to be positive. Well, I could smile and look up. I can't feel shitty looking up and smiling. It's just impossible. I'm going to smile and look up. Um, you know what? I can put on some music I like. You know, I can get up and move around and change my state. Um, I could do a lot of different things. Go for a now, walk, go into nature. Right. So in this state of calmness where I can respond and in the state of awareness where I can choose, I can now teach myself to choose empowering, constructive, productive ideas, thoughts, emotions, or behaviors. So now who's in control? Now is it my old brain that is wired to find everything wrong in my environment? Is it my Frankenstein brain that is percolating up everything in its memory bank okay, that could go wrong, that could cause me discomfort, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, or financially, it is wired to do that. 
like, why would I want to deactivate that? That would be like deactivating a sensor in your car that lets you know that there's no tire in your front left tire. No, you want the signal because it's so phenomenal, but you don't want the signal to control you. You want to be able to be aware of the signal and say, dismissed, don't need you right now. Mm -hmm. I know what's going on. Right. And so now we are in a state of. And to recognize when it's rational or even irrational. Correct. And, and so, the, but the key is here, here's what I do know for the most part, if your life is on the line, trust me, you'll jump out of the way. <laughs> right. So, so there aren't very many things that can actually kill us right this second. There's no right saber-toothed tigers coming after us. At right this, this second. And mm -hmm. so if it's not going to kill us right this second or this minute, wouldn't it be a smart skill to learn, to be able to learn how can I be more in control and responsive versus less in control and reactive? And this is no different than if you're out of shape and you say, Holy mackerel, I haven't taken care of myself in a while. Um, I guess I need to eat better and exercise and maybe meditate, and, right? So we have to practice that to get better. Well, inner size with practice, you become better and you can't fail at it. And it's really the foundation. I see so many people that want to change, but they're changing from the state of Frankenstein or they're intending or they're wanting change Correct. from there, which is why they keep looping. So this is really the foundation of yeah. creating intentional change in every it's aspect. Intentional and lasting change. And lasting change. Intentional because, you know, our brains, um, a, lot of, a lot of my clients tell me, you know, I don't have discipline. I go, oh, yes, you do. You're 100% disciplined. I actually want to give you a high five. I go, what do you mean? I said, you're disciplined 100% to your existing thoughts, your existing emotions, your existing behaviors, and your existing results. You're a miracle you're so fucking disciplined. <laughs> I said, now, you may be disciplined to destructive or constructive or mediocre things, but you're 100% disciplined. Your brain's a miracle of how it's keeping you doing that stuff over and over and over again, even when you don't want to. <laughs> it's that they haven't discovered a new way yet. You know, a lot of the things right. I say to my students is if you've been driving this certain way to work every single day right. and it takes you 15 minutes and you're used to going that way, but then all of a sudden you discover new, a new way to go. How long does it take you to embrace that new way? You're teaching people this new way, right. this new, faster, efficient way. We call it a new road. A new road. <laughs> <laughs> N-E-U-R-O-D-E, right? I new love road. it. Yeah, that's right? cool. And, and, and here's the other thing that we teach our, our students, and I'm sure yours you know, uh, know this, or this will be, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, when I was growing up um, and got into business and I was being taught some of the stuff that I was doing, um, you know, the word of the day was 21 days to develop a new habit. Well, that's not true. It, it, that takes 66 to, 100, to 365 days to create a new pattern that overrides an old pattern and is the dominant pattern. So the University of London last year um, came up with some new research on how long does it actually take for an implicit memory, an implicit pattern to dominate 
another implicit pattern. So if you imagine, you know, you have one arm, you know, that you can lift 20 pounds with and the other arm you're rehabbing. So if you stop lifting with the one arm, you just start lifting with the, the other hand, you do one pound, one pound, one pound, one pound, one pound, then two pounds, two pounds, two pounds, two pounds, then three, then four, then five and six. Over a course of a hundred days, you know, that muscle gets stronger. Well, the exact same thing happens in our brain. If we keep firing the same neuronal pattern for 66 days at least, I tell all my clients, if you aren't prepared to what I say, exercise and retrain your brain as I teach you the skills and the strategies and tactics, uh, don't even start because you're going to blame, you know, me or my programs and my consulting. But if you're prepared to do the exercise in conjunction with the other stuff, and you're prepared to give me 100 days, I could pretty much guarantee that you will change and you'll achieve the results you want. But if you're not prepared to, to do that for 100 days, then go do something else. Come back when you're ready. I love that. And it's, it's interesting how, you know, it, basically you're, you're calling people to the commitment of what's essential to have this integrate fully. And it's amazing to see how many of these different uh, incorrect ideas are out there, like the 21 days to a new habit. What about, you've also hear people talking about, oh, we only use this particular percentage of the brain. Can you speak into that? Yeah, it's not true. We use 100% of our brain every 24 hours. But I mean, the the thing I'm going to come back to is um, when we didn't have the science, we had opinions. Right. And now we have the science. So the opinions can go by the wayside. But the opinions, you know, um, became a part of, a, you know, mythology. <laughs> and we've learned more about the brain in the last 10 years than we have in the history of the species. Think about That's, that. There's been 108 or so billion humans on Earth. Right. There's about 7.8 billion right now. So there's 110 billion people that have lived on Earth. OK, that have that had a lot of misconceptions and ideas. And so the, the new understanding is what I'm sharing right now. Now there's gonna be another dimension coming up right now, because right now there are already brain to computer interfaces. So when we all watched, or many of us watched the movie, The Matrix, mm-hmm. you know, and Neo was sitting in that chair and this little thing plugged into his head and all of a sudden his eyes, he goes, I know Kung Fu right? Kung Fu. Um, what is Kung Fu? It's, you know, it's a bunch of, uh, of, of bits of information coalesced into a certain pattern. And if uh, our brain is processing bits of information in certain patterns, is it possible to decode patterns uh, of electrical uh, activity? Of course it is. Is it possible to insert uh, electrical activity uh, and chemical activity or chemicals into the brain. Of course it is. We don't know exactly how to do it yet, but imagine 500 years from now. For, we've only been doing science for 500 years. So imagine 500 years from where we are today and what we know about CRISPR technology and DNA and brain to computer interface, where right now there are you know, um, uh, experiments going on where you know, I might have a headset on and you'd be, you know, halfway or whole, the whole way around the world, you know, and through uh, me thinking about 
something I could have your arm move because you're connected to your computer and I'm connected to another computer around the world. It's already happening. So uh, for this, the time- This brings up such fascinating oh, yeah. conversations. It's, yeah. you know, are we gonna have, are we gonna upload these devices into our brain to be able to tap into the cloud? It's already, I mean, in, in some way, it's already happening, right? I mean, if you think about, you know, go there's back potential, to- yeah. There's potential, you look at people that, Elon Musk is out there talking about his concerns and fears about artificial intelligence. What are your thoughts? Are you going to get your augmented brain tapped into the cloud? Uh, when it's safe, yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about Fascinating this. what's you, happening you with exponential technology. To, you can use a car to drive around the world mm -hmm. or to drive around the country. You can use a car to kill somebody. You could use a knife to make incredible sushi or you could use it to kill somebody. You can use a microwave to heat up food or to cook a human. You can use nuclear energy to uh, bring light to an entire city and energy to an entire city or to nuke an entire city. So this so would be why brain and heart coherence is so important. Brain, heart, and gut, right? Because yeah. the gut microbe the gut. now is, mm -hmm. is coming into play. And so how do we create that coherence between the three? Um, and, and I'm going to go back to uh, awareness. <laughs> let's go back to that calm state of awareness we can actually remember and get back in touch with the miracle that we are you know we um i think we forgot somewhere along the way that you know and let's leave religion out of my next comment but we are spiritual and for me what that means is if for two and a half billion years, um, humans have walked on earth in some capacity and that intelligence is in my DNA and cells, and if the gold that's in my body came from a, you know, the, the furnace of a star uh, that exploded billions of years ago, um, that means that that intelligence is within me. If my DNA is not unraveling right now, you know, as I'm speaking with you and is digesting the salad I had before we got on this call and is, you know, taking in air, you know, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon and knowing exactly what to do about it is 10 million cells dying, 10 million new ones, you know, come online and my brain's creating these new neural networks and I'm watching you and you're hearing me and I'm hearing you. All this miracle is you it's me it's us let's operate from that place of remembering and then let's say well there's a hundred trillion cells coalesce to form this sentient being called a human body and i could you know move my hands and talk and smile um, and i have emotions and i have these mental faculties uh and oh yeah i have this physical body <laughs> Right. So that's kind of like that's the lowest part of the totem pole, but mm. we have learned to play there so much that we've forgotten um, what and who we really are and how we are connected. And we're all geniuses and brilliant and we can change and we can do so much more and be so much more and give so much more and have so much more. Um, that's the game I want to play. I love the game. I love playing this game with you. Yeah. This is a space of infinite possibilities. That's right. You know, it's like so much, so many times people are fixated on, like you're talking about the body, which is on the lowest part of the totem pole and really tapping into this infinite 
realm that is within you realizing from awareness how we're all connected. I think that's something that blocks people a lot too, is this idea that I'm separate from you and I've got to do you know, win. And if I don't get this, then this means that. And they have these beliefs that they give that one of the beliefs I see come up a lot that blocks people is this belief or this pervasive, or maybe even the subtle idea that they're not enough of something, not enough, not good enough or not, not good enough, not smart too, enough not or not. Yeah. You know, too young, too old, too Asian, too. Where does that even come from? Uh, well, let's let's first agree that it didn't come um, for from when you were born. It came after you were born. So we didn't have a self-image when we were born. We didn't have a belief when we were born. We didn't have habits when we were born. We didn't have fears except we reacted to loud noises when we were born. It was an instinctual reaction to noise. So everything after that was learned. What about if somebody has in their lineage, let's just say, for example, their great, great, great grandfathers and grandparents experienced famine and they have that experience carried down genealogically. Sure. So you have a, a genetic possibility or propensity. Right. So what we know is, yes, that information in the uh, recent studies with um, laboratory rats where they take a female rat and they put her through one of the most difficult mazes uh, that she's ever been through just to get some food and water. Uh, let's say it takes her 12 hours the first time, 12 hours the second time, 12 hours the third time, 10 hours, eight hours, six hours, four hours, two hours. She passes on that code to her offspring first generation. So they do it in two hours. So we know that to be true. So let's say that there's some positive stuff we get and there's some disempowering um, gifts that we receive from our parents, grandparents, and, and all the way back. Here's what we know. Epigenetics says that we can override the genetic predisposition to anything through our environment and our thinking. So, even so definitely the science of epigenetics, that fires me up because it shows how these genes are not deterministic, that our That's environment, our lifestyle, how our choices, live, our choices, right. our, the, the environments that we create for ourselves influence right. what genes fire. Right. And if, if you look at the, um, just the United States, if you take a look at, um, people who are impoverished and, and, and are, you know, on welfare. Most welfare recipients are fifth, sixth, or seventh generation welfare recipients. So they're born with a genetic predisposition, and then they're in the environment that reinforces it, activates it, and reinforces it. And so this is their environment. Uh, and yet there's still people who are able to get out of that environment and make something better for themselves. So what we have to remember is in this selective genetic um, code that we have, we all have the propensities for good things, challenging things, empower things, disempower. It's every human being. It's not like, you know, if my father wasn't wealthy, then I'm going to be uh, somebody who's, who's poor. No, the propensity of all of the possibilities are there. 
It's no different than character traits. There's 2,600 different character traits. And so when you see something in somebody that you don't like, you're just not, or you're, you haven't yet accepted a, a, a piece of the hologram that is in you. Think about how many people pass you by every single day and you don't even notice. It's like they just walk by, but then there's some that really stand out in your attention. So it's usually exactly something you're not seeing within you or something that you really admire within them that you're inspired to have emerge even more. What about when somebody has a trauma in the womb? In the womb? Yeah, so let's just say somebody's, uh, there's uh, an embryo in the womb and they experience a some level of trauma. There's an accident, something happens. How does um, that? It, 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 it wires, <laughs> wires, right? All the, you know, the neurons that fire together, wire together, right? So if there is trauma, whether somebody's abusing drugs, somebody is physically hurt, you know, anytime we're experiencing anything, any emotion, right? Trauma equals some kind of, you know, emotion. Um, the neurochemistry of that emotion is released in the brain and that travels into the bloodstream and mother and baby are sharing, okay, um, all of the emotions. And so the blood, the blood brain barrier uh, is one thing, but I think the emotional trauma is another thing. I think every one of us has experienced and will experience before, you know, we came out of our, our mommy's belly uh, and after we came out and, and we grew up. And so uh, we all have this plethora of, uh, of positivity, negativity, traumas and things that are, are working, you know, cohesively in our lives. Now, some of it uh, will provide us some of our greatest lessons. And, and would those traumas, though, affect how, you know, we were talking about having that baby come out like a blank slate. Uh, how would that trauma affect that moment of birth and those early formative years? Or yeah. I yeah. think, I think um, very, very challenging for some and not for others. So I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a specialist on, on that side of, um, of entering the, the planet. Um, but you know, just in, in understanding a little bit about the neuroplasticity and the memory of emotions, right? Our painful memories formulate neural networks. And, and this is not a factual statistic. I just use this number to make a point. So if you have a positive experience, let's say it's uh, worth 10 points. If you have a negative experience, it's worth 10,000 points. And so we remember negative, painful memories uh, 10,000 times faster than a positive one. And the reason for that is because the brain is wired for survival and avoidance of pain first, above all else, right? So if we experience mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial pain, real or imagined, our brain wires that and encodes that for the survival mechanism to work because it's survival above all else.
Wow, that is that is such a key point. And, and I want, really want to emphasize it for everybody that's listening who's like a leader or who has teams or who's building a team on how mindful it is in how we communicate and empower people. Because if it's 10,000 times worse, if somebody's getting that message now, can you imagine you're leading organizations or you're leading thousands of people, how important it is to really... Right. And once that memory is formulated right? It's part of the implicit memory. And guess where Frankenstein goes for reference? Right there first. And so that's why anytime, you know, if you, if you, you know, whether you're dating or you've got a, a trauma physically, emotionally, mentally, or financially, whenever you even consider the opportunity to dive back in, Frankenstein comes up and starts through rationalizations and self-talk. You start to hear yourself telling yourself rational lies. Nah, I don't really need it. Don't want to do it right now. Let me wait till later. And do it tomorrow. Sell, we sell ourselves out of uh, taking you know, action and moving forward because of an old memory from maybe when we were kids. I love it. So I want to talk a little bit about money because I know you really guide people to have huge breakthroughs around that. And I see so many people have beliefs around, they, they want to create prosperity, they want to create abundance in their life, but they have these beliefs that, that block them. What are your beliefs on money? Um, I've got a lot of beliefs around money, but the, the overarching belief is that there's more than enough for everybody at all times. Um, so that's overarching. Uh, another one is, you know, I believe um, that I have the ability, the knowledge, the skill, and the intelligence to earn as much as I choose. I so, love it. Uh, there's a couple things that are worth diving into with you around money. Uh, and there's, there's two types of beliefs that people have. Uh, one is explicit, one is implicit. So something to say, well, I believe I, I can make a lot of money. And that's an explicit declarative mm -hmm. belief where they can declare it. But if the implicit belief is, but I'm not good enough, but I'm not smart enough, but I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too Asian, I'm too Caucasian, but I'm a woman, I'm too young, I'm, not, I'm in school. I'm, whatever the underlying implicit belief is, whenever we have a, a belief that we can declare you know, at the conscious level, but we have an opposing belief at the subconscious level, um, we will sabotage all of our efforts towards that belief. So until we get that coherent, it gets roller coaster results. Yeah, it's it's one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas, and there's a lot of movement going on, but the car is not going anywhere. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Um, but our beliefs are also tied to our identity and our money story. So money and the story that we have around money. Uh, started when we were very, very young. It happens to be one of the longest, grandest relationships we have ever had. Why? Because uh, when we think about survival of the fittest, money also represents survival, right? Food, mm. shelter, um, you know, so survival first, gain pleasure second. So if you have money since the beginning of time, uh, that we, you know, whether we used coins or chocolates or seashells to barter back and forth for, you know, seeds for fruit, um, we were able to um, have our creature comforts. But as we moved further away and as the world expanded, you know, we started to develop a different 
understanding of money. And so people have this money story uh, based on their parents. So I'll give you an, a perfect example. Um, one of my private clients is a highly, highly successful CEO um, with uh, a company worth about half a billion dollars, private, privately held company. And so we were talking last night um, about money. And uh, he pays himself a salary that's very, very modest. And he just raised $125 million for his company for growth. He didn't pull any money out you know, uh, from, from the round of financing that they did. And I said, like, why do you pay yourself so little? Why didn't you take you know, $20, $30 million off the top? And he started telling me his story I said, oh, wow, that's really fascinating. And um, when I dove a little bit deeper, I said, tell me your family story about money. He goes, oh, why do you ask? I said, no, just, just tell me, your, were your parents wealthy? Uh, no, but my grandfather was. Oh, your grandfather was? He says, yeah, and when he died, we were all very close. We all got together. You know, we all got together every weekend for meals, and we traveled every year, you know, all over the world. He took 50 of us every December on trips. And then when he died, all of the brothers and sisters fought like crazy. And I said, well, how old were you when that happened? He goes, about 14, 15. So what did you believe to be true about money? He says, well, Sometimes when you have a lot of money, it ruins families. Now, he had just told me that his number one value was family. Just seconds before that. So now I said, so, so your number one value is family, but you don't want to have any money because you're afraid that if you do, you're going to break your family apart. He goes, holy shit. I never, ever thought of that correlation. He hadn't made the connection. Hadn't connected hadn't the dots. Hadn't made the connection. Wow. And so when we talk about money, we all have a money story. Is it good? Is it bad? How much I tip? How much, you know, what kind of rooms I get in a hotel? Do I travel in the front of the plane and in the back of the car or do I buy the cheapest seats available? Do I tip 10% or 15% or 20%? Like every decision we make about what we do, how we do it, how much should I, shouldn't I, is based on our money story. And some of us have empowering money stories and constructive that gives us gives us freedom and others okay by no fault of your own for the most part just so you know you know we just have a very disempowering story around money when in reality money is just a freaking means of exchange that's all it is you know it's it, energy it buys you a pen <laughs> butterfly some nice glasses, you can do some nice things for charities, buy a steak or a salad, whatever. It, but in order to get that, you have to understand commerce, the, the means of exchange of how money was created, what the purpose of it was for, and you could change your identity and your money story and your beliefs as quickly as you develop them. And, and so that's, I know the work that you do, and as you can tell, I get excited about, but that's also one of the reasons I wrote you know, the inner size is to be able to say, okay, so whatever's been conditioned and wired in there, it just is, it's there. Some of it is going to serve you and is going to be great for you. And some of it just is going to disempower you. And until you change the pattern, okay, 
everything's going to stay the same. You know, I liken it to, um, you know, right now I'm talking with you. I'm looking at my computer. I've got a Macintosh sitting over here and a camera up there. And imagine if I um, looked at my computer and said, hey, software, change. Software, software, change. Excel, I don't like you, change. That's not a good one, change. Uh, Outlook, change. Google, change. Zoom, change. But it's amazing how many people do that sometimes. Or you see people even talking to themselves and they're like, I can't believe you did that. It's like, who's the you that did it? Who's the you that can't believe you did it? And who's the you observing this whole conversation happening? That's right. And so, um, you know, the the computer has, it's it's got the the box, right? The the box, it's got the, the hardware, the operating system, and then it's got the software, right? And if the software is corrupt, it doesn't make a difference you know, how much hardware you change. It doesn't make a difference what you do, um, you know, to the operating system. If you don't fix the software, you keep getting corrupt information. And inner size are specific practices that allow us to update the software of our brain. And think about what happens. Your computer crashes, it goes slow, you can't find your files. and, and, and so that's, that's the fun part is just really understanding how to use our brain just a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently, a little, a little faster, a little easier, so we don't have to consistently just struggle and be in total state of stress all the time. And what ends up happening is feeling greater elevated emotions emerge from this, a greater sense of empower, stepping into one's empowered identity, having beliefs that allow a person to create life by design through vision. I know you talk a lot about vision. Yeah. Yeah. It's more confidence, more certainty, more personal power, uh, less stress, less anxiety, less fear. Um, And, you know, listen, the, um, the fun part about the work that you and I do is we, we get to help people, you know, have predictable transformations is what I like to call it. And the more that we can have processes that work, the more we can create predictability. And I like predictability, and so does everybody else in their brains. And so the question is, what can I be doing every day, every week, every month to create more predictability in my life? And we live in an uncertain world right now. Right. There's not, there's a lot of chaos going Especially on. Especially right, right now. now. While we're recording, we didn't even mention this. While we're recording, we're quarantined in the midst right. of this uh, COVID-19 global situation. So these exercises are more timely than ever before, yeah. based on what we're seeing with people running to the grocery store to find toilet paper for Pete's sakes. Yeah. Newton back in the, I think, 1700s, you know, he basically discovered um, uh, gravity while he was quarantined, when the bubonic plague was going on, it was 15th or 17th century. Um, so we have lo- lots of uh, great imagination uh, a time available to us right now and probably for the next little while. The, um, the fun part is really uh, helping people just turn on that, you know, that, that switch you know, from, you know, I can't to, oh, wow, maybe I can, from, you know, it hasn't worked for me before to, oh, I can see how this can work now. So that, that's the fun part. Well, thank you so much. I have had so much fun with you in you. this conversation. And I know that it's going to empower everyone to begin to thank upware the software, the software inside so that they can begin to create in alignment with the grandest vision that they have. I know that that's yeah. the, 
the essence yeah. of how do we bring that forth so powerfully? How do, how do people find you and really tune in to everything that you've got uh, off? So uh, I'm on Instagram uh, at John Asraf. I, um, I have um, some Facebook pages. I have a private Facebook page called Achieve Even More. I have um, a fan page. I'm on Twitter. My company is myneurogym.com, M-Y-N-E-U-R-O-G-Y-M.com. We do um, uh, brain-a-thons with uh, brain experts, teaching people how to change their brain so they change their income and their lives. Um, and so that's how you find me. I've got uh, four best-selling books, um, 35 languages. So Inner Size is my newest one. So on Amazon, I've got Having It All, The Answer, The Vision Board Kit, and Inner Size. Uh, and so lots of different places, lots of uh, stuff on YouTube as well. So depending, you know, it's what I'm finding really interesting in this uh, world of social media. If I do um, a live stream, for example, on my Facebook channel, uh, and I do it at the same time on my Instagram channel, it's different people who don't like the other platforms. <laughs> so people who watch YouTube want to see their stuff on YouTube. You know, people who want Instagram, no show to me on Instagram. So I'm on all the platforms. That's beautiful, having them all go simultaneous. Well, it's been so much fun and such a joy being here with you. I know you and I first met like over 15 years ago. Long time. So it's, been, it's yeah. been so awesome seeing you bring your work so powerfully into the world. Thank you, you too, for being. Appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you. Let's Thank go do you. some inner sizes together. What do you say? Let's do some inner sizes together. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. I'm intending that you receive profound value from today's episode with John. I know I did. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to intersize. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's session, I really appreciate you subscribing, liking, and giving us a five-star review, then sharing this message with the people in your life and your communities, because it is so essential in this time. And be sure to tune into our next episode with world-leading economist, Paul Zane Pilzer, who will be giving us a 2020 economic forecast post-COVID-19. If you've been wondering what's going to happen to the U.S., Canadian, and world economies after this pandemic, Paul is an authority in the recovery and rebuild after this crisis. I will see you on the next episode.